back to the latest episode of the Shift Talk podcast. I am one of your three hosts, Matthew. I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of what to expect today because we have changed the opening section again just to uh, keep things fresh and keep things moving along. Basically, any week where we have an idea for a unique section, that's what the front end of the podcast is going to be dedicated to. Uh, the first couple weeks, we had some hot takes relating to movies, and last week, we actually changed it up by each pitching an actor change or directorial change for um, Attack of the Clones. And I think that went really well. And this week, we're each going to be pitching a movie that we have not yet seen and that we don't really have good reasons for not seeing, but we just haven't gotten around to it. And then the other two hosts will then try to convince that person to on why they should watch the movie. So I think it went really, really well. And there are some pretty big movies that uh, have not been seen between the three of us. So I think you guys will be excited to check that out. And then, as usual, we will have our standard movie review in the second half of the podcast. And this week we are covering pretty much the ultimate uh, quarantine movie, which is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, you will be excited to hear, probably, that this is easily the most divisive movie that we have reviewed so far. We, uh, spoiler alert, don't all agree on most of the things in this movie, so I think you'll be excited to see where our thoughts kind of differ on that. But without further ado, we're going to get right into the first section here. Uh, and like I said, we're each going to be talking about a movie that we have not yet seen, and we hope that you guys really enjoy it. Again, follow us on Twitter and Facebook if you have not, at Shift Talking on Twitter, Shift Talk on Facebook. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. If uh, you're a third-party user, we are on Podbean, and you can download that from the Google Play Store. So I'm gonna keep, uh, not going to keep you any longer. We're going to get right into the opening section here, and we hope you enjoy. Okay, so starting off with a movie that we have not seen and refused to watch. We're not even refused to watch, just something we haven't gotten around to it. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to lead us off, and I've got a pretty big one. Um, it's always kind of been the movie I jump to when people ask me about big movies I have not seen, um, and that is Shawshank Redemption. Now, I don't really have a lot of concrete or good reasons as to why I haven't seen it. I thought about this a lot leading up to recording the pod. And I think really it just comes down to, at least in my experience, it doesn't come up a lot, at least in references or in pop culture, or at least on my social media radar. Um, I mean, I read Twitter arguments like it's my second job. I mean, I'm, I'm always on Twitter reading through, you know, movie arguments, any type of pop culture I mean, anything, any type of argument or conversation about movies, I've probably read it on Twitter. And it just seems like Shawshank Redemption never really comes up, at least in my experience. But on the flip side of that, whenever it does get brought up, at least among friends, or if I do see people talking about it, everybody always says that it's really good. And it's one of those movies that my parents obviously have seen, and they talk about how good it is. And so, I, I don't know, it's sort of weird. I mean. If it comes up, people say it's great, and I say, yeah, I probably need to watch it, and then I never watch it. Uh, so I guess if I'm going to blame it on anything, it's just that it doesn't seem to come up naturally or get referenced a lot, at least in my radar online or, you know, at least with my friends. So, um, But I'm very confident that between the two of you, 
you will present some good arguments as to why I should watch it. And that's what I'm hoping on. Uh, so uh, you guys can take it away. Uh, why should I watch Shawshank Redemption? Uh, yeah, um, I'll go first. Um, I think you should watch the Shawshank Redemption, not because it's anything like groundbreaking. It, it's it, for one of it's it's up there. That's commonly like known as like one of the best. Like I see it on up there with like the Godfathers and the Pulp Fictions. But I, although I don't think there's like something really special to it, like those movies. It's really just one of those things where I think it's so beloved because it's just an all around like great movie. Like there might not be anything groundbreaking, but every element of it is just fantastic like the acting's great it's a great story very well made and i don't know it's just one of those movies where i feel like everyone should just watch it just because like it's just one of those movies where like i don't see how anyone could walk out of it being like that was bad or underwhelming it could maybe be underwhelming if you walk in thinking it's going to be like this groundbreaking movie but if you just go in Expecting just a really well-made, solid drama that's gonna just like, like a lot of like really iconic moments and iconic characters, it really delivers. It's just a really great movie. I think everyone should watch it. It's just, it's just, it's one of those movies where like, you, you kind of walk away kind of like shocked at just like how good it was. Just like so well-made. All I really got to say about it, though, I mean, it's just one of those movies you should you should just watch because it's just all around a really well put together movie and really just walk away just kind of impressed with how good it was. Yeah, I want to just start by posing the question: that, like, How have you not seen this movie when it's on TV? At least, like, seems like it's on TV like every two or three days. I mean, that's, that's fair. or something. That's very fair. Now, to be fair, I know the people that are in it. I know generally what it's about, probably because I've seen, you know, bits and pieces walking through my house while my dad's watching TV. But, uh, you know, over even since I've kind of moved on and, you know, I have all this, I have my own place and I have my own television and I could watch it at any point. I just still have not made it happen. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Take it away. I, I can't, I don't have any, I don't have a solid answer. I still don't have a solid answer, but go ahead. But, you know, just to kind of add to what Cruz said, it's, Shawshank to me is a movie that there's really no flaws with it. I mean, like Cruz said, it's nothing I would say that's groundbreaking, but it's just an exceptional movie all the way through. Everything about it is is great, enjoyable. Um, each time I watch it, there's not there's never been anything that I can point to that I say, I don't like this about the movie. Um, and it's extremely re- rewatchable. It's one of those movies, like I just said, it's on TV all the time. But anytime it's on TV, no matter what scene it's on or what point in the movie it's at, I, I feel like I have to watch it. It just never gets old. And, uh, you know, as a, I know that you're a fellow Stephen King fan like me. And this being an adaptation of one of his short stories, that would be a, a major selling point for me towards you, for you to go watch this. Um, obviously you said, you know, all about the cast, the performances are, are great. Uh, you know, well-directed like, like Cruz said, there's not a whole lot I can add. It's just a movie that you've got to at least watch once. And once you finally do watch it, uh, I feel like you're going to go back and watch it over and over again 
like myself, every time it's on TV, you're not going to be able to turn it off. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, I compared it to Forrest Gump because they came out in the same year. But Forrest Gump's the, the same type of movie. You know, I know we may have our differences about how we view it. But it's one of those movies that whenever it's on TV, you can just pick up wherever it's at and just watch it. It doesn't matter where it's at. And Shawshank's in that same mold. So that would be my biggest selling point uh, for you to watch it. I definitely, knowing your taste in movies, I, there's no doubt in my mind that you would enjoy it. But that's really about all I have to say about it. Well, that's interesting. Uh, it's interesting you compared Forrest Gump because, I mean, I've it's it's odd that I haven't seen Shawshank because I've seen Forrest Gump probably, you know, 20 times uh, because it is always on TV. And I had it on DVD as a, as a child. but. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's if it's anything if it's anything comparable to that or in that same vein, um, I'm sure I would enjoy it. I think now it just comes down to procrastination, really. I think you guys both, you know, presented a solid argument, and I'm sure I'll get around to it eventually. And who knows? Whenever I do, I'm sure I will mention it on the pod uh, to follow up. But I have to put it on the list. But there's a lot of other stuff on the list. Um, so. Uh, Cruz or Jake, uh, what is your movie? I, I don't, I don't think we assigned who was going to go next, but whoever wants uh, to go up can go right ahead. I'll go ahead and go. Uh, the movie that, or I should say, movies that I have not seen, uh, it's the Fast and Furious franchise. I've never seen a single movie in that franchise. I know how popular it is. I know it's a beloved uh, franchise, but I have absolutely zero interest in any of those movies. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces, you know, being a former movie theater employee, uh, whatever the most, I can't even remember the name of the most recent Fast and Furious, but I feel like I've seen several scenes out of that movie multiple times. And there's just nothing about those movies that uh, sparks my interest at all. So um, this is going to be a tall, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's going to be a tall task for you guys to convince me of a reason to watch any of these movies um definitely not going to sit down and watch all of them unless unless you convince me to start with one and i really enjoy it i don't think it's going to be likely but you know here's the challenge convince me to watch one of the fast and furious movies you're a movie theater employee back in the day (laughs) wants to go Uh, first are you are you a fast are you a fast stan? Do you do you ride or die for the fast universe? Um. Well, actually, that's right. This is going to be a tall task because I've never seen a single Fast and Furious movie. So it's up to me. It's up to I, you. I've never I seen. Have to step up to the plate for the both of you. Well, okay. I'll do my best uh, because I have seen. I have a complex relationship with these movies. Um, where I do, I will fully admit that these are not great films. They're they're not. They don't deserve to have made the amount of money that they've made. I know some people will probably uh, be very upset with me for that. Um, they're not. They're not groundbreaking films. We said that about Shawshank Redemption, and we can say it here. They're not. They're not cinematic art, as uh, Martin Scorsese would probably say. But what I will say, having seen, I think I've seen every single one of them outside of like Tokyo Drift, which I've heard is like the worst one. Um, I, I think I, that's the only one I haven't seen. Now, it, it's really weird because when these movies first came out, 
they were totally different than what they are today. I mean, the first two are kind of like focused, kind of ground level, you know, racing movies mixed in with a little bit of like underground, like crime aspects that, but it's never anything that's, you know, insane or fantastical. Whereas if you go see one of the last few or the Hobbs and Shaw movie, these basically are like, uh, they're basically just, Avengers almost like they, they are superhuman uh, characters and the action in these movies is just so over the top preposterous. Uh, Doesn't the rock uh, hold up a helicopter with his barrel arms in one of these uh, movies? Yeah, the rock uh, lassos in, in Hobbs and Shaw, which I think I will use Hobbs and Shaw as kind of my jumping off point for why you should watch at least, at least that movie, I would say. Um, yeah, The Rock uh, lassos a helicopter with, um, he lassos a helicopter with like a steel cable and he holds it with one arm while he's driving like another vehicle. Um, so, you know, standard stuff, uh, standard stuff you would expect from The Rock. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what attracts me to these movies somewhat is that right along the fourth movie, I think, I think it was the fourth movie, they decided that they were going to go in a different route. They were going to go, they were going to push the envelope and be that over the top Hollywood blockbuster action franchise because they knew they had, they had the fan base to do it. They had, you know, they had this great ensemble cast that people really connected with. And after the fourth movie, these movies transform and they become just something else entirely. And I think what I enjoy about them to a degree is that, they know what they are, they know what they're trying to be, and they do it really well in regards to that that framework. If you just if your ex- expectations are just set on, you know, I'm going to watch this big dumb action movie with a bunch of explosions, and I want to see, you know, Vin Diesel drink Corona and talk about family, then that's what you, that's what you're getting. You're you're getting what you paid for, and they they do it really well. Um, like I said, in Hobbs and Shaw, which is like a spinoff movie starring two of the better characters from the Fast Universe, um, you know, Jason Statham uh, plays uh, Deckard Shaw, and The Rock plays um, I can't remember his first name, but his name's Hobbs. And you know, it's it's just and Idris Elba's in the movie, and he plays basically like Superman. I mean, he has like these cybernetic enhancements that make him like a superhero. I, I don't know. I can't. I wish. I wish we could keep talking about this. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I mean, The Rock holds a helicopter with a cable. Um, they, you know, the last hour of the movie is in Samoa for some reason. Out when the whole rest of the movie is not. Uh, I feel like The Rock just wanted to go on vacation, so he was like, "Hey, we're gonna film the last hour of this movie in Samoa." Um, you know, there's cars jumping onto things, landing on things. There's explosions. I mean, I don't know. It, you're not gonna you're not gonna hurt my feelings by not watching the movies, but I feel like you have to taper your expectations, take it down a notch, understand that what you're about to watch is basically just a superhero movie with cars. And once you get in that frame of mind, I feel like you could have an enjoyable time. You don't need to go into it thinking you're going to watch, you know, you're not watching Goodfellas and you're not watching, but you're also not watching an Avengers movie. You're watching 
the fast universe. And it's it's just I can't really say much more. They're insane, they're over the top. They know what they're doing. They do it well, but they're also not good. So I don't know. I don't want I don't want people to think I love these movies, but I also don't want them to think that I'm selling them short. They they do they they set out on a goal and they accomplish it. So, so basically what you're saying is if I ever have like two hours of just free time where I want to just turn my brain off and just watch some yeah. really dumb action and yeah, Fast instead and Furious of watching, might be a good choice. Yeah, instead of watching a baseball rerun, you should watch uh, Fast Fast Five through any of the fa- Fast Four through Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, watch one of those and you'll you'll be set. Well, I've got to I've got to be honest. I'll, I'll probably be more likely to watch an inning baseball baseball game rerun than watch one of these movies, but. I mean, uh, Maybe yeah, I maybe if I catch one on TV one day, might give it a shot. But I don't know, just not my thing. I, I understand. I completely understand. I did not expect to convince you going into it. I, I really, I didn't, I didn't expect to come out victorious on that. So I guess so, uh, unless Cruz has anything else to add, I guess we can yeah. move on to. Cruise's you have me at rock holding a steel. <laughs> driving a car with a helicopter give me at that i'll check it yeah. out all right nice <laughs> Hobbs and shaw review coming soon <laughs> but with that being said um uh we are left to go uh to our final movie that we have to convince um cruise i believe you are up sir okie dokie so um Movie that I haven't watched, I don't really have a desire to watch it, but I'm I'm open to being convinced because I've had some friends try to convince me and they've almost had me. I just never get around to it, and that's Spider-Man: Far From Home. Um, love Spider-Man the character, grew up on the Sam Raimi movies, and although they haven't aged the best, there's like a soft spot for me. Um, Amazing Spider-Man movies do not. I don't have a soft spot for them, but Homecoming. I thought Homecoming was good. Liked it okay. Felt like it was kind of a cool, almost teen high school comedy drama. And then when it became a Spider-Man movie, I didn't like it. Didn't like the action. And thought the action was kind of like Batman Begins action, where like you couldn't see what was going on. And I couldn't really get into the villain, although I wanted to, because it felt like they were putting more to him than most Marvel villains. Just something about that movie, when it became a Spider-Man movie, I couldn't get into it. And with, with this new movie, and I love Jake Gyllenhaal, he's one of my favorite actors, with still being the same director, John Watts, I've just been hesitant and not really had a desire to go back. I'm just afraid that it's going to be a movie where like, maybe I kind of like the more Peter Parker elements, but I just am not into the Spider-Man elements. I'm afraid I'm still going to be underwhelmed by that, especially with me being so underwhelmed by the action in the first movie homecoming. So I'm, I'm, I'm open, especially with Disney plus being a thing now. And I, uh, having more free time with this pandemic. I'm much more open to trying to be convinced to to checking this out because I do love Spider-Man as a character. This will be a good one. Uh, Jake, do you want to go first? I'll let you go first because I feel like you're going to have a 
few more thoughts on this movie than than I do. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm always down to talk about Spider Man and uh, Marvel in general. Um, so yeah, I think you bring up uh, a couple of interesting points uh, about Homecoming, especially. Um, I, that's what I enjoy about Homecoming is that it is kind of like a teen, uh, teen comedy that is also a Spider Man film, and it's a. T- I feel like it's a teen comedy first and Spider Man film second. Um, and to where you say that's you know you kind of didn't enjoy the Spider-Man aspects of it. Um, I kind of liked how in this movie, we kind of got more of a, because I do have a soft spot for the Tobey Maguire movies as well, but I think that they didn't always do the best job of showing us a relatable teen Peter Parker, partly because Tobey Maguire looked like, you know, looked like a, a high school teacher you know, the whole time he looks like a 35 year old man playing a teenager. But, you know, I, I just feel like the problems he had outside of, you know, some of the problems in the first uh, part of his movie or his origin film, you know, the relatability wasn't always there. Uh, and I feel like with Tom Holland's iteration in Homecoming, you kind of got a more like, okay, this is something that a, you know, teenager would go through. You know, and he oh he also is Spider Man. It's kind of just like a interesting dynamic there, and I thought that was kind of a interesting way to go about it. But about Far From Home, not to get away from the overall point, I think Far From Home is really in almost every way kind of an improvement on the things that Homecoming did well. Um, I think it's funnier than Homecoming, and Homecoming is really funny to me. Um, and I think Far From Home kind of just takes that and continues it in a natural way. Um, the cast is excellent. You alluded to Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio. I feel like he does a, an amazing job and is worth the price of admission there. Um, yeah, it's kind of tough because I, I just really, really enjoy the movie. Now, if you're if you're not like a you know. MCU fan by and large are a big MCU fan. Some of the connections and things that end up happening in the movie probably won't do as much for you, but just as a Spider-Man film on its own, I think it is really emblematic of the character. I think the, I don't want to spoil anything, but the, you know, the arc he goes on in the movie, I think is really true to the character of Spider-Man. We see him, you know, struggle with things and we see him kind of persevere and find himself uh, throughout the film, uh, where he's struggling to kind of become his own, you know, person, you know, he doesn't really, he's not sure of himself and he makes errors and he makes mistakes, but then he ends up kind of redeeming himself, uh, by realizing that he's kind of on his own now and he has to make these kind of more grown up decisions when really he should just be worried about being a kid. Uh, but he can't afford to do that. Um, so I think this movie does a really good job of that kind of defining expectations and stakes for Peter, the character. And Tom Holland does another excellent job as Spider-Man. So I just think, I think it's overall an improvement on Homecoming. Um, So if you didn't, if you weren't the biggest fan of that, I think you would be more inclined to like this. Uh, Hall is great. I think the character of Mysterio is great. And yeah, I I mean, I could, I could ramble on, but I don't want to take up too much time. Uh, So Jake, I will allow you to uh, give your take on it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think it's a it's a much better movie in my mind than Homecoming. And there's a few uh, specific things about it that I'm going to try to touch on without spoiling it. But 
Uh, Matthew's gonna know what I'm talking about when I refer to this scene, but there's one one scene with Mysterio that I think is um, one of the best scenes that Marvel's ever done. Um, it has to do with Mysterio and Spider-Man encountering each other. Um, I think it's visually spectacular. Um, it's something that's I don't know. It just felt like something that kind of new territory for Marvel in terms of that one scene. Uh, you know, you said you're a Jake Gyllenhaal fan, and I am too. And uh, you know, that's in my mind reason enough for you to check it out because he's very compelling in this movie. He's he makes a very good bill, and he's he's much better. I mean, it's tough for me to say that somebody's better than Michael Keaton, but his character in this movie is better than uh, Michael Keaton's character in Homecoming. Uh, it's not even close, in my opinion. Um, I really like the way that they uh, handled Iron Man in this movie. Obviously, this movie comes after Endgame, so I was going into the movie. I was really interested to see what they were going to do with that, and I think they really nailed that aspect of the movie. And um, I think it's really, it's really, really sparks a lot of interest to see how they're going to go forward with the next phase in the Marvel movies. And uh, another selling point I have on it is I believe that it has the best post-credit scene of any. Of really, of any movie that I've ever ever seen, uh, not just MCU. Um, well, I will say Airplane probably has the best post-credit scene. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but this movie is second on the list. Um, it has really big implications for the future of Marvel. So, you know, that's my main selling points. I definitely think that you would enjoy it. Uh, it's it's much it's a much better movie than Homecoming. It kind of it just feels like they're kind of finding their stride of the character and it just really sets up the, you know, the next installment in the Spider-Man universe along with the uh, water MCU. So, you know, I know you've said in the past that you're not the biggest uh, MCU fan, but I feel like if you're going to follow the movies going forward, this is one that you definitely need to watch. And it is, I have trouble ranking these movies, but it's, it's towards the top. It's one of the better MCU movies. It's probably somewhere in the. It's probably, probably top ten. Would you agree there, Matthew? Probably sneaks in there. Yeah, um, I, I definitely don't think you can really. I, it's it would be hard to rank them as well. I, I struggle with it too. But yeah, it's it's probably safely in the top ten. Um, but oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. That's really all I had to say about it. I mean, I definitely think that you would enjoy watching it i think it's something you should check out yeah and just to touch i can't believe i didn't mention the scene that or at least allude to the scene that jake's talking about that that is it's probably i mean i don't i'll probably anger some people with this one but i think it's easily the best i I think it's the best scene involving spider-man like live action that we've ever got um i i think it's that good um the effects are really good and just I don't know. The way it's handled is just so well done. Um, and that is a great point that Jake made, is that if you kind of were like lackluster on the MCU, or maybe you've seen kind of the bigger films and uh, you don't really know you know, what it's all about or anything like that, but yeah, the, the post-credit scenes in this movie will... They're, they're so good because they accomplish a lot of things at once. They really build excitement for the future of not only Spider-Man's character, but the MCU at large. 
Um, and then if you don't really care about that, uh, there's another reason that people might enjoy the post credit scene. And that's all I'll say because I can't really say anything else or I will spoil it. Um, but yeah, I think you would definitely really enjoy it. Um, and I think we've said all we can. It's just a really, really solid movie. There's no glaring issues with it. And it's, uh, if you like Spider-Man, you're, you're going to like this movie. Well, I'll say you guys pretty much convinced me. I think I'll, I honestly, I'll check it out next week. Uh, I have access to Disney Plus. It's not mine, but I have access to it. And honestly, uh, you guys have made probably the best case of anyone I've heard talk about it. So I'm going to check it out. I'll check it out because I do love Spider-Man. So I'll check it out. I uh, did want to make one note. It is actually not on Disney Plus, uh, but it is on Hulu. Okay. Um, well, I have Hulu. I have Hulu, so I'll yeah. watch it on Hulu. I think it has to do with the Sony uh, sharing arrangement. I'm pretty sure that makes sense. It's not. It's not allowed to be on Disney Plus, but um, that may change in the future. Who knows? So, well, Hopefully. I'm glad to hear it. I'm excited to see what you think about it. I'm. 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 I'm looking forward to it now. Definitely. Well, that about wraps up that portion. Uh, are you guys ready to talk about our movie for this week, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane? Yep. Sure. All right, we're going to get right into the review, and it's going to follow up right here. Uh, all right, so 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, I wanted to go first because... When I saw Jake's score for it on Letterboxd, which I won't give away, but I've pretty much gathered from what you guys have talked about that you guys are pretty fond of this movie, and I was not a fan of this movie. So that's why I want to go first. I'm uh, get the negative kind of perspective out and then kind of end on positive. I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of this movie. Um, I know a little bit of the history that this was like a script floating around called The Cellar wasn't originally 10 Cloverfield Lane. And Damien Chazelle, was, he has a writing credit on it. He like re the script and he was supposed to direct it, but he left in order to do Whiplash. They brought on that Dan guy. And, um, yeah, I mean, and I wish, I wish Damien Chazelle would have directed it. Cause I think, I think probably my, my bigger issues is that, don't really like how this movie's directed. Um, uh, the big positive I'll get out the way is that the performances are fantastic. All three are fantastic. John Goodman is incredible in this movie. Like he 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 is great. The, the acting from all three are are honestly worth a watch. Um, but in terms of my some of my issues with the movie, um, I thought the CGI was pretty bad could always tell when there was cgi in the movie and i don't i understand that sometimes you can be limited but i don't once again i don't even i don't think the movie director was able to make the movie work to where the cgi was forgivable uh just like i've seen like there's a movie with bong joon ho where like the cgi is really bad but it, you almost don't care because the way he's able to direct it you're so invested and i wasn't able to do that with this movie when there was moments of cgi it really stuck out and kind of brought me the experience especially uh where i feel like it almost could have been affordable to do like aesthetics 
for like like for example like the dead pigs like no i I feel like you probably the budget they had i know it's still a smaller budget but i feel like they could have just had like like pigs instead of like really obvious cartoonish cgi pigs um i think i think the score doesn't fit all the time um I have another point about the score to get into, but I remember one scene specifically where John Goodman tells uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character to go like check for herself. To, she wants to see what it's like out there, which is when she goes to see the pigs. I feel like in that context, it's like trying to build up this tension. The music in the scene is like, it sounds like the type of music you hear in a fantasy movie when someone enters like this fantasy world and they're like, Taking it all in, it was like very weird. I felt like I was supposed to feel something much different from the music. And also at the time, it feels like there was an over reliance on the music to create tension through the movie. Uh, and that goes into the cinematography and the editing too. Kind of felt like the the cinematography and editing was really bland in this movie. I don't think every movie has to be like takes and like really gushing and beautiful looking cinematography i think that you know different contexts and the tone and atmosphere you go for a movie you should use like you know the cinematography and, and editing and sound to complement it and i don't feel like this movie does it um i felt like this it felt like we're simply just just filming the scenes just because it's their job and in a movie that relies on you to feel tense like you need to use these as tools to really build tension. And I never felt like they did that in the scenes with tension. I felt like they just would play really loud music. And I like music for, for tension, like tense filled scenes too. But i once again, I think music in, in movies like this should kind of complement the tension that's already been created by other, like it's a, once again, a tool it feels like it's a crutch in this movie. It's these loud, like, it, almost like it's telling me I should feel tense instead of genuinely feeling tense in this movie. Uh, there were some some scenes where I, it kind of honestly, the tension was killed from like the editing and stuff. Like when he yells at her and you see that she's going for the keys. I feel like they could have done a little bit more to build up the tension, but it just kind of showed that she's going for the keys and never shows it again. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, when she sits down, she'll have the key. And she did have the keys when she sat down. Um, know that a you know, this is 10 cloverfield lane i know that like there's a, they're already kind of limited i will admit i, I know this kind of gets to nitpicking but the title kind of almost ruined for me the the original tension in the movie in terms of like if because at first the movie kind of is building on is it really bad out there or is john goodman just crazy and I feel like that would have been an interesting thing to play with, but because of the fact that I know it's a Cloverfield movie, I knew that there was something out there. Just And once again, I, I don't know if I can necessarily blame that on the movie, um, but that kind of, for a while, like when there's the big reveal that it is bad out there, it's like I just knew that was coming. I was never tense that. Um, now, I will say, um, once... Once the whole daughter reveal, when you find out John Goodman's like daughter, who he claims to be his daughter, wasn't his daughter, and she went missing. 
then the movie really started to pick up. I, up until that point, I was not feeling this movie. And the movie really starts to pick up then because now it's like it's no longer tensions kind of around. Well, we're just actually in like a, a, a small area with a crazy person and we need to get out. That's when it started to become a little more interesting. And I was kind of getting more along with it. I think the scene, spoiler alert, I think the scene when John Gallagher's character dies is extremely well done. I think that's like the first time in the movie where I really feel like how it was filmed and, and how they used sound to mimic like the her ears like popping from the gun sound, the gunshot, like was really well done and like really added to that scene. After that, even when everything, you know, starts to fall apart and like the place starts to go up in flames, it, it feels like the tone, that tension's kind of lost because it feels more like an action movie. And then I'm sure we're all going to talk about this. I absolutely hated the ending. I think I think I almost could have really gotten down with this movie once it started to pick up for me if it wasn't for the ending. It went from being this like tense bottle film to like an alien action sci-fi movie with a bunch of CGI and like with her and picked up in the car. It just didn't work for me. I don't think the movie's bad. I do understand like why it's gotten so much love because I can understand like people really feeling tense by this. I think just like the just I just could not get with the. I feel like there weren't enough. I just couldn't get down with the decisions. I guess I'm kind of at a loss of words. I just the music I found distracting. I felt like the editing and cinematography were far too bland. There were so many scenes where. I felt like it really should have helped add tension. It just didn't feel tense. But I, I don't think it's a bad movie, but it, it definitely wasn't a movie that really worked for me as much as I would have liked it to. Um, the, a movie that I kept thinking of during this movie is It Comes at Night, which I know we're not reviewing it. I won't get into that. But like to me, that's a movie, kind of a similar idea of like people being secluded, and it's like really bad outside of where they're at, but it almost, you start to wonder, like, could it get worse in there or like in their secluded area? And I feel like that movie kind of uses more artistic and creative decisions with like, it's you know more technical aspects to build up more tension. And with this movie, it just kind of fell really flat for me. But uh, yeah, I don't want to be, you know, too super critical of it. It's just a movie that just didn't work for me. I don't think it's bad. I do. I feel like this was a movie. If it was like the seller, they would have put a little bit more into kind of interesting concepts they bring up in the movie. I don't think they delve into these concepts a lot of like, I mean, kind of wanting that daughter and stuff like that, that they play around with. I feel like they never really build on it. And I feel like it's, it, I feel like they had a very interesting indie movie then like had to kind of compromise and make it a studio horror film uh that needed to make money i feel like that kind of got in the way and kind of hurt it a little bit but uh I, I know that a lot of people like it and I, i'm not saying it's a bad movie it's just a movie that didn't work for me so that's why i wanted to go first so like everyone could give more positive uh looks on the movie um yeah, I'll go ahead and go next, Matthew, if you don't mind. Um, 
I, I definitely see where you're coming from on some of the things, especially about the ending. Uh, you know, that's something that on the first viewing, I really, I really didn't like either. But going back and watching it again, uh, I'll talk more about it in detail in a few minutes. But I, I the ending sat with me a little bit better this time around. Uh, but you know, you're talking about some of like the score and some of the stuff, some of that other stuff. There were things for me that I really didn't notice during the film. And I guess that's why it probably works more for me. To me, everything that happens in the bunker is super effective. Um, like you said, the performances are really great. I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead is absolutely fantastic in this movie. Um, of course, John Goodman's great. And then John Gallagher Jr., although his role is a lot smaller, um, he's a I thought he's really good. And he's one of those actors that I think is super underrated. He hasn't been in a whole lot of stuff, but um, things that I've seen him in, such as short term 12 and um, the miseducation of Cameron post. And I think he's in a couple episodes of a uh, modern love, a new TV show on Amazon and everything I've seen him in. He's been, he's been really good. And he, he stood out to me in this movie. Um, but one of the things that I think is really great about this movie is you mentioned Damon Chazelle came in and rewrote the script. And I think the script is really, really well done. And I think there's really nothing wasted about the movie. Every little detail in the movie, starting with the first scene, some of the things that it makes sure that you see in the pic, uh, in shots, uh, they come up and end up being important later on in the movie. And there's several things, uh, you know, along with the dialogue and, uh, just casual mentions of certain things in the bunker that I think are really, really smart and really well done. Uh, it just feels like the script, there's there's nothing wasted in it. And that's one of the things that I thought was really great about this movie. Um, I really like the themes, and that's where I'm going to kind of start talking more about the ending. You know, I see this movie as really just the main theme is about regret and, you know, fear of commitment. and you see that Michelle, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, um, at the very beginning, the movie starts with her running from her problems. And you have it through encounters that she talks, when she talks with uh, John Gallagher Jr.'s character, I believe, I believe his name's Emmett in the movie. Yeah. Um, they, they have a couple of scenes where they talk about, you know, life before this incident, where they, they talk about the regrets. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's the major theme of the movie. And, and like you said, the ending where it turns into something where it turns into a completely different movie, it, it never sat right with me until I watched it this time. And I'm still not really going to defend it because I don't love it, but it makes more sense when you view it as, you know, Michelle is this character that she experienced abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse from, John Goodman's character throughout the movie. And, you know, it's kind of symbolic of domestic abuse. A lot of women experience. And to me, this time viewing it, her escaping from the uh, bunker. is kind of symbolic of, you know, you escape that abusive relationship, but you know, everything's not just automatically okay at that point. You know, there's a lot of other challenges you have to face. And to me, the ending where she gets out of the bunker and you know, you think, okay, she's, she's escaped. She's home free, but 
actually there's a threat of aliens. You know, I think that's a kind of symbolic of how there's other challenges to face in that, in that type of situation. So viewing it through those lens, the ending works better. Um, to me, I still don't love it. Uh, I still think that uh, you kind of mentioned it, Chris. I think this movie would probably be better if it wasn't a Cloverfield movie. It wasn't intended to be a Cloverfield originally. And that seems to be a theme within this universe. They come, they come in later in the process of the uh, making the movie and decide that it's going to be a Cloverfield movie. Um, but I, I do feel like it would probably be better if it wasn't. And I do agree with what you said, and it's something I didn't really think about. But I do agree that knowing that it's a Cloverfield movie kind of takes away from the tension of you already know there's something really going on out there. And I do like. I agree that if you didn't know that everything in the bunker would be so much more effective if you were just wondering, okay, is John Goodman lying the whole time or is, is there something to it? If they would have played more up on that, I definitely agree that it would, it would have been more effective, but I do, I do now get why, um, you know, the ending, it ends the way it does, especially the very last shot with her at the crossroads where she's finally, choosing to instead of run from her problems she's going head on into the battle uh looking to help and i I don't know i just feel like her that her arc is really well done um like i said i I really enjoy everything in the bunker um the performances the tension works for me um the first viewing i was really into it and you know it's been a movie that i've been able to go back and rewatch a few different times and I've enjoyed it every single time. So, uh, you know, this movie also had the, you know, J.J. Abrams likes to toy around with the mystery box, and he more so with the original Cloverfield uh, movie, but he also did so with this movie where, you know, you don't really know anything about the movie going into it. Um, and I don't know how to... Well, that's a whole separate argument to get into, whether that that's an effective way to market a movie. Um, but it, it is something that he did do with this movie. And he, he, he's done it with every Cloverfield movie. Um, I'll be interested to see what you guys' opinion are on that, but that's about all I have to say for right now. Uh, Matthew, you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, te- want to touch on a couple things. Cruz said, um, you know, I definitely hear you on the cinematography complaints and like the, score and things like that I, I definitely didn't notice any nothing really stood out to me in that aspect either but i think i didn't really notice it as much because i was i bought into the tension at every point but i think the tension is more so in service of the characters that we're watching i think you know john goodman's character howard um I don't know. He's just such a he's such a frightening presence on the screen. And I think that his character alone really and how how Emmett and Michelle kind of react and act around him, uh that kind of kept me in the tension the entire time. Like the, the dinner scene, the first time they eat dinner together, um, was super tense where Emmett is just rambling on and you can kind of just feel like, you know, Howard's just his anger is just building and building. And you end up finding out that, or at least inferring that, uh, you know, Howard resents um, Emmett just because 
it's not part of his plan. It's not part of something he wanted to control. You know, he just wanted him and uh, Michelle to be there. So I think the tension worked for me. And so I didn't really notice uh, the lackluster cinematography and score just because I was, I bought in heavily uh, on the, on the uh, tension there. I will touch on the ending too, uh, just because I also am not a fan of the ending. Uh, I was not a fan of it uh, at the start when I first watched it, and I was not a fan of it here. Now, I, I do think Jake made some good points about how thematically it still does remain consistent with Michelle's character. I think it's executed perfectly for her, but I just think that the movie as a whole, I think, is made it was made in spite of the fact that it was a Cloverfield movie. It was, it was executed. It was a very well executed film as just like this focused contained, you know, um, you know, movie where they're in like, where they're in the bunker. I feel like everything that happens, like Jake said in the bunker, I'm a huge fan of. And I feel like that because you know, it's like you said, because you know, it's a Cloverfield movie you know something's got to happen. And I'm fine with that. I, I think the entire time watching it, I kept thinking of about, I was kind of like at a duality in thought about it. I was thinking about it. Well, how would someone who didn't know what Cloverfield was, how would they watch this movie? And then I thought, well, I know what Cloverfield is, so how am I watching this movie? And I think that if you don't know what Cloverfield is, I feel like you know you're watching a very, very entertaining movie and it's, you know, the tension's there. It's a really good kind of like a thrill ride type movie. And then I think those last 15 to 20 minutes, I really feel like you would probably be okay with it because they do sort of allude to the possibility of aliens in the movie. But I don't think it's nearly, it's not nearly fleshed out enough to where when you go to the surface and you start to see this last, you know, action scene with these aliens, I don't think that it was built up enough for the non-Cloverfield viewer. Now, the movie, to be fair, was probably made, they probably didn't care really about people who didn't know what Cloverfield was. I mean, I guess, you know, the reason they made it and the decisions they made were made with people in mind saying, hey, this is a Cloverfield movie. You should probably know what Cloverfield is. And that's that's fine if they wanted to do that. Um, but my problems with the ending really just stem from the fact that it kind of deflates everything it just feels like such a letdown from everything that i watched that it was this you know we're watching michelle you know struggle with you know this abusive figure and you know she's being manipulated and gaslighted the whole movie and she kind of struggles to get out of this and it's a really focused psychological thriller and then it has to like like crew said it kind of just turns into this sci-fi alien action scene uh my my critique and my suggestion, because since it is a Cloverfield film and we know that it has to connect to the broader universe, I would have been fine with seeing aliens or at least them acknowledging that. I just think that it overstays its welcome. I think that the, the action scene being 10 to 15 minutes and that whole fallout, I just think it is way too long. And it, it's it's too long of a tonal shift in the movie. Now, if she gets out and it's more so like a, a stinger at the end of the movie, like, Oh, Hey, like there's also, this is, there's aliens. That's why this is happening. And then it just kind of cuts or maybe even a post credit scene. I think it would have sat with me way, way better 
than the way that they handled it. Because the way they handle it kind of implies that, hey, you should have just known this the whole time. Like, you know, you should have seen this coming, which if you've seen Cloverfield, you probably did, or at least it was in the back of your mind. But I just think it, it doesn't help the movie. It might help, you know, build excitement for future projects, but it might, it doesn't necessarily serve the movie. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at on that. Um, I didn't have too much else outside of, or on the ending, but I did want to just kind of say, you know, all the performances, like you guys said, were great. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is amazing in this movie. Uh, John Goodman obviously steals the show. I think he's the MVP here. Um, I feel like Mary Elizabeth Winstead could have, like this could have been like an iconic performance, like something that kind of like staples her in like, you know, pop culture. I just, I do think the one thing that I didn't like about her character and it's not her fault. It's, I think her character probably wasn't written as efficiently as she could have been. Like she doesn't have that many memorable lines in the movie. And I feel like that, especially with the sci-fi action turn at the end, I just feel like if she was written more kind of definitively, I think it could have helped kind of propel her to like a, an iconic type position where people think about this movie as like her jumping off point for being like a really, really great actress. And she is, but I don't know. I felt like it was kind of lacking there. Um, no, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, watching her character and her performance, for some reason, I kind of get like a, a Ripley vibe from her character. From you know, the Yeah. hundred percent. Her character really reminds me of her and her performance really reminds me of that performance. And, you know, I didn't know if that was just me, but that's something I really noticed on this viewing. I thought the same thing. I, I, that, that really was my thought or my, the comparison I kept going to, um, but where I feel like, you know, I'm I'm not saying this movie could have, you know, had the cultural impact that alien had, but I mean, I, I definitely think that if she would have had more, you know, impactful moment, impactful lines or, you know, moments that, the script could have given her. I definitely think she could have, that this could have been an iconic performance. Um, not, not to take away from how well she acted this movie in, in this movie um, by no means, but um, I, I definitely, I definitely still enjoy the movie as a whole um, just to kind of summarize it. Uh, but I definitely, I, I just think I, I still can't get over the ending. It, it's justified more. I, I think I really align with Jake's point about her character. It's a really good through line for Michelle's character, but for the movie as a whole, I think the ending kind of cheapens how powerful I thought the rest of the movie was. Um, and some people may completely disagree, but I just think that I think the aliens overstayed their welcome. I know it's a Cloverfield movie, but they could have probably handled it in a more delicate way to where if they save it for the very end, kind of like as a, a stinger at the end, it could have made Cloverfield fans kind of have that, oh my God, like freak out moment. And it could have had newcomers that maybe aren't familiar with Cloverfield. It could have had them be like, oh wow, like really? Like, and interest, it still could have accomplished its goal, but I think they should have went about it in a more subtle way. Um, um, I think, you know, I think it's interesting. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Damon, the 
the original script didn't have the aliens in it. I'm pretty sure that Damon Chazelle is the one when he rewrote the script. I think he's the one that added the aliens to it. Which he he did because he was hired to do Cloverfield. He wasn't hired to do the Cellar. They bought a spec script called the Cellar. He like rewrote it, but they said he didn't just add the aliens. Like he really did like revamp a lot of the original material too. Um, but yeah, he did add the aliens because he was hired to do like Cloverfield. Like this was going, Ten Cloverfield Lane was going to be his debut movie, and the reason it took so long to come out is because he was he was like they're prepping him to direct it, and then uh, he got the offer to do Whiplash, and he was like, "Well, I'm going to do Whiplash." So he decided to... And let's all be thankful that he did that. I was about to say, I mean, although I think this movie would have been much more effective directed by him, uh, we got Whiplash. Uh, A couple things about what was... uh, Well, no, I'll let you finish, Jake. I'm sorry. I mean, that's all I had to say, so go ahead. Um, My problem with the ending is that it's like, I, I almost agree... I agree that there's things in the ending where it's kind of like good for her character's arc. It's where I kind of almost go to a kind of I, I kind of almost personally disagree with you about how tight the script is because I think once again I I feel almost kind of like Matthew like instead of doing this whole is he crazy is there something out there just we know it's Cloverfield just make it known real fast that there are aliens out there. And and kind of start the whole issue of, well, he's crazy, and, like, he kidnapped this girl, like, the whole thing with his daughter. I think if they would have played on that more, and really also kind of, I feel like they should have spent more time in the, they should have, should have kind of already established that earlier in the movie. And then when Gallagher dies, they should have spent a little more time with her having to be, like, Captive with him, because I feel like if they would have kind of fleshed that out more, then just her beating him and getting out of the cellar alone could have could have really redeemed that arc of like I've kind of you know, taken control of my own fate and fought back and got out of this, and I'm not going to be like in this abusive cycle with this guy. I'm cool with the aliens. I think if the movie would have ended with her like getting on top of the car and you see the alien ship coming and it would have ended, I think also fleshing out like the a bigger kind of plot point of John Goodman wanting to like keep her as like his daughter, I think it would have been far more effective because alien reveal is cool in terms of when the ship's coming. It's when it becomes this big CGI fight. It looks bad because I, I don't think the CGI looked good. It looks fake, and I think I don't think the sound of the aliens is very good either. I think that's something that kind of really takes me out of it. Yeah, I think I think just like if they would have fleshed out a little bit more of that dynamic of like her being like this captive of his and like this stand-in like object for him, would have also made her escape a little more like poignant for like her character. And then just have like the oh, there's aliens out there, and it just end. Like I think that just would have been more effective. I think them having to having to cut all that short for the end be like the Cloverfield Lane movie. Also, I had one question about the actual ending with her, like at the crossroads when 
I might have like missed a certain part, but didn't they say like come to Houston if you have like medical like training? Medical and fighting like, experience. Yeah, if you have okay, fighting okay, experience. Because I remember I only heard medical and I was like, well, that's weird. She only like, she, the only thing she did medical was stitch up forehead and like she wasn't even good at it like she had to be walked through it so at first i was kind of confused i was like why'd she go there like she's not qualified for it but i get the fighting now i can understand because obviously she could she she could lend a lot to them in that regards with the suit but but i just think i think although maybe like in that moment of her at the crossroads would have been you know good honestly you could have had the crossroads just leave out the fight. Just like, oh, there's an alien spaceship. I'm gonna get in the car and drive off. Then she hear- yeah, like well, I think she needs to see that threat on like for her own. I mean, if she no, doesn't, is it is effective if she, if she doesn't know what she's driving into? I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, okay. I will. I don't know. I feel like I just feel like a big CGI battle. Especially for me, because like I already wasn't feeling the movie the halfway through. So I guess it's more just a personal thing. And so it finally starts to pick up. It's like if it can just stick the landing. Not only did it not to me stick the landing, I just feel like they could have done it better. I honestly feel like, once again, we don't even need her going to the crossroads. Like just reveal that there's aliens as like the Cloverfield. I think if they just would have fleshed out that dynamic between her and John Goodman, there would have been a character arc there with her just getting out of the cellar. I really feel like we had what could have potentially been a really great, smart indie movie called The Cellar, and then like, in Cloverfield Lane came and had to make it like, studio, like big series movie, and it really cheapens the effect. I still... I want to counter real quick. Well, her getting out of the, the bunker or the cellar, you know, that's, you can't really view that as a, like a character choice. Like that's something that, you know, that's life or death. Like she's got to get out of there. And by her going through the big battle with the aliens and then overcoming that and then coming to her choice, you know, now she knows what she's facing. She knows what's going to happen if she goes this way or she can go to safety. There, that's where her real choice is. To me, I don't, I don't think she has a choice to get out of the, get away from John Goodman. But her choice would, comes. She's not. She's decided she's not going to run anymore. That she's going to, you know, go towards the fight. I would only disagree with that. I would agree in terms of how the movie works because I don't think the script's fleshed out well enough. But I feel like. I feel like once again, if they would have really made it clear in the beginning, like, oh no, it's bad out there. Like, it's honestly like, I think they should have made the movie even when after get like Gallagher dies, make it a thing of like, even if you just become like his daughter, you're like in this almost like, like fascist like situation between this guy they can flesh out this idea of like, well, it's almost just better here than out there in the real world. Cause honestly that also mirrors kind of a, a kind of an anxiety that is kind of propped up on women in abusive relationships anyway, is that kind of drilled into their head when an abusive relationship, like they're drilled into their head, like, you know, like it's worse out there for you. Like you should be lucky. Like this might not be ideal. I think if they would have fleshed that out more and then her finally like being like, no, like it's, 
I'll take my chances out there. Like I understand that it's probably more dangerous out there and I could still be here. Even if I'm living under your rules, like still be here, not fight back. Like that, that her getting out and killing him to me would have been a lot more poignant, a lot more effective. And you wouldn't need the alien thing. I agree. Maybe like, I agree that like the alien thing helps in this movie. Cause I don't think they fleshed out lot of the interesting concepts that were kind of presented in the bunker personally i, want to I get that Go ahead, Matthew. well i was gonna say i think that to both of your credit i think that the movie definitely had the time and budget to do both of what you're saying um where i think if they take the 10 minutes or so of the cgi alien fight out that gives you 10 more minutes in the bunker where like, like Cruz is saying, I think if they take more time in the bunker to show kind of that where she's at a dead end, like she doesn't have, you know, Emmett to lean on anymore and show her going to like a rock, a rock bottom because in the movie, the pacing is really quick right after Emmett dies. Like, you know, you got Emmett dying. She sits down. She has that like little moment where she kind of gets re invigorated by like she seizes the tickets yeah, that he looking, bought right and that's fine i think that worked but i just definitely think it was really quick so if you if you got 10 let's say you got 10 more minutes in the bunker she now has to hit this rock bottom it has a little bit more time to develop then she can kind of make the decision well i don't really know what's out there but i'm gonna go because you know screw this i have to make this decision for myself so I think, but even still, that isn't necessarily, it's still, like like Jake said, it's still not necessarily a choice she's making. It's more so just like a heroic kind of moment for the character because we want to see her succeed. I think you can have all these elements. They could have done it because if you give us more time in the bunker right after Emmett dies, you show her escaping the same way. But then you cut out the 10-minute CGI fight. And I think the way the movie should have went is you show her on top of the car, or she drives away, she gets the car to crank, she drives away, and she hears the radio transmission. And then maybe you see, you show like a giant alien ship like flying towards the Houston skyline. And then we have that moment where she makes the decision to follow that and go towards the conflict. So I think if I think if they would just cut that out, not only does that give you it gives you the same, you know, it gives you the same character arc for her. You get more character development in the bunker between her and Howard, like more it'll feel better on her escaping. You don't have the dumb looking alien fight. You're still waiting there at the end. You don't know how it's a Cloverfield film yet or you don't know the overall connection yet. The audience is still kind of on the edge of their seat a little bit. And then the movie just ends with her hearing that they need help in Houston. She sees an alien ship going towards Houston and then she goes. I, I think that's probably how I would, how, how I'd pitch the ending because you still get the best of both worlds. Um, and you don't get this, like you don't get this bloated alien scene that kind of just takes me out of it. But that's just all my preference for how I would have probably restructured it. Well, I agree I just, with, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I just disagree on the... I don't think we need to see more of her and Howard in the bunker after Emmett dies. 
you know, throughout the, their time in the bunker, you there's enough hints and enough things for me that you see how Howard views her. And once Emmett dies, to me, you know what's going to happen to her after that. You know how things are going to go. I just don't think that we need to see her go through that for it, her art to be effective. We know what's going to happen if she stays in there. She knows what's going to happen. And that's why she makes that choice that she's not going to let that happen to her. Or she's got to go now because, you know, she's not going to go through that. She knows what, how he's going to treat her and that it's just not, there's no choice. She's got to, she's got to do something. So for me, I don't think you need to see that. Now I, I can, you know, I can agree with all the alien stuff. I, I don't love that. But I, I've, my point is, I see why it's in there this time. Whereas in the past viewings, I, I just, it didn't work at all for me. I can see how it completes her art more. And it, when I look at it through those lens, it works a little bit better. Um, but go ahead, Cruz. I, I don't know. I just, I can't agree on this one just because also with not even like, also with what Matthew was saying, like, take out the fight, that's 10 minutes flesh out more in the bunker but take out take out like 20 30 minutes of where like the whole movie is just wondering how bad it is out there i feel like if you would have really established and made it clear to her she goes and looks out there that like it is bad out there like it's arguably like she'll probably die out there even if even if she's like even if it's bad in the bunker, it could be worse out there. I think they should have really established that. I think if they would have fleshed out, I feel like if they would have fleshed out this thing of like, it's not necessarily like, oh, well, he's going to kill her. It's like, if Gallagher out of the way, like, it might not be ideal. I'm going to treat you like my daughter and I'm going to take away this sense of agency. Like, I never got the vibes that he was planning on killing her. Unless she just tried to get out of there. No, he wasn't. Uh, he the whole time. I mean, it's pretty. It's evident he caused her to wreck on purpose because he wanted her as her daughter, as his daughter. Yeah, yeah. I think so he that never wanted to kill her. I think there just would have been like a much more kind of effective idea of like her kind of being in this situation. Because I almost agree with you with how the movie goes, like. How the movie goes, if like after Gallagher dies, trying to put more in there, I could see why that wouldn't work. My thing is, I think the whole script needs to be restructured. I think there's too much time dedicated to, well, is it really bad out there? Because like, you know, it's bad out there. It's a Cloverfield movie. And I think they should have used that to their advantage. Because the thing is, is once again, it's like, I can't really give them too much slack or too much. Yeah, well, I can't cut them too much slack of like, well, it was called Cloverfield because they they remade this script, the idea of it being a Cloverfield movie, like when Damien Chazelle made it. So they should have just been like, yeah, they're going to know there's like some type of thing going on out there. So let's just like establish it. You don't even have to show it's aliens, but you can just you can just make it obvious that like it's bad. Like it doesn't look bad when you go out there when she first looks out there like i don't blame her for not necessarily being sure if it's bad like you see some rotting pigs but like and then you see the woman with the burned face and she even says like i didn't touch it like 
that, that kind of swayed her opinion a bit, but I never feel like they really kind of enforce like, oh, it's bad out there. Like, I feel like they could have shown like everything just burned crisps, like really kind of create this environment of like, oh no, it's no matter how bad, how much agency I lose in this bunker with this guy, like it's safer for me. I feel like then it becomes more poignant and almost becomes more of this kind of like empowering, like almost like feminist based story of like being like treated with like out agency and, and trying to feel, fulfill this like kind of stay at home daughter, female role. And even though, you know, like it's way worse out there, like you decide to take up for your own and get out of like this oppressive little place and like go out into the open even though it could be more dangerous because that's how much you want your agency. And I've seen like movies kind of do that idea better. I think we're talking about, um, we're talking about Shawshank Redemption. Darabont made the mist and I don't think the mist is perfect, but I think the mist plays around with a very similar idea of things can get so much worse in a place. It's really bad out there that you'd rather just take your chances and go out there. And I think like, I think a movie like that, I think like it comes at night and other movies like that. I just think they've played with these concepts and they fleshed out their characters a little bit more and they fleshed out the more humanistic, like, like a uh, conflicts a better. I feel like there's something really missing from the movie. And I, I still, I understand that like it, it, this is more just like a personal thing. Even then, like, still the first half, the, a lot of the movie doesn't work for me in terms of tension just because, like I said, like, the cinematography and the editing and stuff, like, that's just stuff that jumps out to me. Especially when the Gallagher scene, because, like, Gallagher scene, he dies. It almost, like, made me upset just because it. I, I was like, that scene, they do such a good job at using all the different elements to really make the scene feel more effective of how they don't use music and like the loud screeching sound and, and like the way the camera is just kind of slowly following her reaction. Like that was so effective. I wish they would have done more stuff in that, in the movie when there were supposed to be more tense moments is just kind of really build this atmosphere with more than just, just the actors in the music. And once again, even with the alien thing, like even if in a way I can understand like why they wanted to do the alien fight, I still think the alien fight is really executed from just a visual standpoint. Like it looks bad. So it just comes to one of those things where it's like, I can understand maybe why you try to do it, but you didn't do it well. And that's when like, you should like rethink maybe trying to do it differently. Cause I agree with Matthew. Like he had like a, a bit more of a budget. I, I, the thing that I think bothers me the most is that a, Things that ruin this money, the ruin this movie, the fact that they poured more money into it. Like, I feel like if, if this would have been like a movie called The Seller and it's just like this little indie art drama, like, and you cut the budget in half, I feel like that would like inspire the filmmakers and the people working on the movie to, you know, work more on the script and not have this reliance on the CGI fight. I, I think that's what bothers me the most is that you have like a movie actually gets cheapened because they didn't reduce the amount of money they spent on it. I just think there's just a lot of things in this movie that I really wish it worked for. And I don't, once again, I don't think the movie's bad. I just think that this movie could have been a lot better personally. And I really, I really started to warm up to it. And I was like, if they can just stick the landing, 
think this might I might come out liking this movie and it not only missed the landing, like they like they like threw the ending away and like lit it on fire and like walked away. Like they were done with it. <laughs> like it completely to me like bombed the ending. Yeah. I just want to jump in. It's interesting you mentioned the budget because this movie only had a $15 million budget, which I think is more, it's confusing in hindsight when you see how much of it, how long the alien scenes are. Um, You know, even though they didn't look great, you can tell that probably a lot of, you know, a a not insignificant chunk of the budget was probably spent on that. Um, So it's weird because, it was already a small budget film, but one thing I want to go back and touch on just really quick. Uh, I do agree with you that they should have definitely established the threat um, at least early on in the movie or, or more like earlier than they did, because I don't think, I hope it wasn't their intention, but like, I don't, I don't, I hope they didn't have her escape. And then I hope they don't think the alien reveal was like, supposed to be shocking like i really hope they don't they don't think that if you you listen at the very beginning uh there's a radio playing and it's talking about all the it's hinting at different things happening right like i think it's talking about blackouts and there's some other things that the whole time the movie is i mean it's it's telling you that something really is actually happening now uh michelle mary elizabeth winstead's character doesn't know that obviously she's into you know, she's not in a good place emotionally. She's not paying attention to what the radio is saying. But no, I get that. For I us, just, the audience is there. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that, and I heard that too. And I think that it's not. We know something's going on. I mean, obviously, the woman that you know, the deranged woman, is you know, banging her head against the window, and like the the dead pigs. Like we understand, we know something's going on. I just think that. I think saving the aliens to the very end. One, you know, if you know, if you're familiar with Cloverfield, you're not going to be surprised by it. And two, it, like Cruz was saying, it kind of just, you know, I don't know. It, it, it frames it frames the movie in such a different way when you don't know what's out there. Because when she goes out and it's like, we're supposed to feel, you know, elated that she's escaped. But then, oh, there's the aliens. But like, we know, we knew the whole time that something was going to happen. So it kind of, it doesn't give you that moment of pause where you're kind of like cheering for the character. Uh, now I do think that it probably would have complicated the entire script. The entire script probably would have needed to be restructured if we are at least told, if we're told about the aliens early or we're at least shown more early, they probably would have had to kind of change things around. But I definitely think they probably should have done it because as it stands, it kind of just feels like, Oh, you saved this to the end because you know you didn't want to spend a lot of money on it, even though we, the audience, know that the alien aliens have to be involved somehow. And and like I said, even for a non-Cloverfield fan, if you just went into this movie blind, I feel like the movie itself doesn't do enough to make you relish the alien reveal. Like you know something's going to happen, but then when you see the aliens, you're just kind of like, I feel like if you didn't know about Cloverfield, you would be very, very confused. And again, maybe that they did, they obviously didn't care about that with the production of the movie, but I don't know. I, I definitely think they kind of mishandled that on, on kind of thinking back on it. 
I th- yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get get the point you guys are making. I just I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on certain parts of it. Um, I mean, I don't. I definitely don't think the movie's perfect or anything, but I guess it does work better for me than it does uh, you guys. So. That's the thing too, which is fine. And, and and I didn't want to, you know, spend the majority talking about those aspects because there's there is a ton in this movie that I really like, and I think that if you just ignore the alien, like if you ignore the alien aspects and kind of focus on just the movie as if it ends when she leaves the bunker i think the movie succeeds very well at being a thriller um i just like how the movie constantly you know answers questions for you but then gives you a new set of questions at every turn you know you're constantly having to shift your perspective of well, what do I think about Howard you know what what is Howard's ulterior motive like at the very beginning you're thinking well, he's obviously just lying about what's going on outside. But then you're you're shown the dead pigs and you're shown the woman and you're like, okay, well, something really is going on outside. So Howard must be telling the truth. But at the same time, Howard is also doing things in the bunker and being, you know, super aggressive. Um, and he's he wasn't originally coming clean about how um, Michelle got there. So you're you're conflicted on, you know, well, how reliable is he being right now? So. I think the movie does a great job of kind of just keeping you guessing in that aspect. And it always makes you want to watch the next couple of minutes. Cause you just, I found myself when I first watched it and even still there were certain aspects I had forgotten. Um, I found myself just really eager to kind of see what was about to happen or what was about to be told to me. Uh, so I definitely think it works in that aspect. It, it makes for a really exciting watch. I mean, um, I definitely think, you know, kind of getting away from talking about the ending and those implications, like, uh, as it stands, it's a very consistently toned movie, and I think it's really entertaining, and it keeps you interested kind of the whole way through. Uh, I definitely think it succeeds in that aspect. You know, I also also think the movie's pretty funny. Uh, we didn't even mention it, but there's an entire scene where John Goodman dances, and I think this. By yeah, itself, a pretty great scene. Makes I, the movie I worth wrote, watching. When I watched, I think I, I wrote like, "This is the most iconic scene." Like when when they discover that you know his motives, and they're kind of like worried about him, and he just walks up in between them and just starts shaking it right in front of him. I think that was that's probably the funniest scene in the movie. I agree. But um, unless you guys have anything else to say about it, I guess are you guys ready to give it a grade? Oh, there's one more thing I want to say. Yeah, I was about to say, did you have any more general thoughts? Nothing really to add because I think this is just like where we're going to diverge because like I just couldn't like get into the movie for a lot of different reasons. I never bought into the tension for most of the time. Never felt like, I just always felt like I was like, oh, well, I know like this is going to happen. And also because a, a, a large chunk at the beginning of the movie almost wanting you to question something you already know the answer to um but i will say i just i really wish i mean obviously i really wish they would have done more a filmmaking perspective kind of add a little bit more because like i just couldn't get invested in like the scenes they wanted me to be tense with Uh, but like I, i will say i did think near the half like near the last half when they established that Goodman like kidnapped that girl 
um, that was like that he was pretending was his daughter. I think from then, that's when the movie finally started to get tense. There was another scene that I remember that I thought was really well done, and it was the scene. And once again, it was like they were being a little more creative with how they used the scene. They're playing that uh, charades game. He's Santa Claus, but he's like, I know what you're doing. I'm always watching. And how the camera keeps like jumping back and forth to like everyone's faces. And like the, the only sound you have is that ticking clock. It's just like stuff like that. I wish like they would have played around more with those. Like I thought that scene was very effective. I wish those type of scenes were kind of more throughout the film. But I, I think that, I guess that's just like a personal thing though. I really yeah, wanted to I, like the movie more than I'd die. I ended up liking it. And just a small, I definitely think there's a lot of little things that they do in this movie to show you the insights of Howard's character. Like that scene is pretty on the nose, but you know, especially right before that, I, I think that that scene works really well. But the the scene where Howard can't force himself to say "woman," like he can't he can't make himself call Michelle a woman because he he views her as like a child and like a that was girl. good. Like that was really good. And there was one other I'm trying to think. There were just multiple aspects like that where you're just shown kind of how broken like Howard's psyche is. Um, you know, he's he's either like almost this semi wholesome like dad character, but then when anything kind of jumps out of his like order, you know, he kind of fall goes off the rails. So I, I think it's a really it's a really just, I don't know, he, he's like the ultimate sociopath. And I think the movie is, I think this is easily the best part of the movie. If you're going to watch it for any reason, watch it for John Goodman and how they portray his character. Because I think he is the most consistent and well done thing in the movie. Because I, w- I was terrified of him when I first watched it. And I was still scared of him when I watched it this time. I 100% agree. Because like, even though like I'll... Well, now, like I didn't, I think overall I didn't like the movie. I would still tell people to watch it just for John Good, John Goodman alone. Like, not only is you're right, like not only is his performance incredible, he's like one of the most well done characters. He kind of has the most subtlety and nuance to his character, and like John Goodman is an actor, like really like excels at like really like fulfilling those little nuances and subtleties as an actor he's easily the best part of the movie just like as a character yeah and there's other two little tidbits and then i think that pretty much wraps it for me but the the song choices in the movie there's not a lot of songs but i think the songs are really good um and they kind of fit thematically uh, at least the song titles like at the moment where um at the moment where the where emmett and michelle kind of discover uh once they discovered that megan was not like the girl that that howard said was his daughter was not actually his daughter the moment that they kind of realized like oh like he's actually you know we need to do something the song that starts playing or that he plays to dance to is i think we're alone now by tommy james and the Shondells. so kind of just like a little cheeky like song choice like that they I love that song. now they're, now they're alone you know um the other song choice that I thought was interesting was it was later on in the movie. Um, I think it's the song that he danced. Oh, it's not the song he dances to. I'm trying to find it in my notes, but if I can't find it, I won't linger on it. Oh, yeah, it's the song where he dances um, and 
he plays Tell Him by the Exciters, um, which is kind of iconic because, or not iconic, I would say, but just a cheeky song choice because that's, that's when they're discussing like tying him up and getting him to confess like about what he's done. And the song is called Tell Him. I don't know. I thought it was cute, but whatever. Probably I not agree. anything groundbreaking. I agree. I definitely thought it was a neat choice. I love, I love yeah. the music in this movie. I do. I, I like the I like the songs in the movie. I don't like the ones. I don't like the score, like the original. But I do like the songs. I, I've I've loved. I think we're alone now. I was happy to see it. I was one. I was like. I was like. I've heard this song before. I love the song, and I remembered it's from the trailer when the movie. Yeah, that's where I got that song. But yeah, that is a. That's pretty much all I have. Uh, I think it's super consistent. Uh, we definitely had a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, but I'm ready to give it a rating if you guys are. I'm ready. Ready. Um, I'll go ahead and just go first. Um, definitely the I think easily the most divisive movie we have reviewed so far, and about time for a movie that we don't all just give fives and four and a halves to. Um, but I'm gonna give this movie a four, four out of five. Um, I I think we've covered it, but I really think that the four out of five, like the four points I'm giving, kind of are emblematic of the movie up until the end of the bunker scenes and the the whole point that it's missing is just the ending i definitely think that we talked about how it fits thematically with uh, michelle's character but at the end of the day that's just um i think they had a really really good movie like a really tight just you know grounded film like cruz was talking about like the original kind of script that was supposed to be the inspiration for the story i think they had a really great compelling story there that you know had to be turned into a unfortunately had to be kind of shoehorned in as a cloverfield movie and i definitely think that that is the biggest detractor for me but overall it has great performances it's really tense throughout i think um and if nothing else you may feel completely different about the ending and you may think it's great uh and if so then you'll probably like the movie even more than I do. Um, but I think it's definitely worth the watch. It's definitely, you're definitely not going to feel like cheated out of this experience, but I think four out of five is where I have to stay on that. Uh, I'll go ahead and give my score. I'm, I'm also going to give it a four out of five. Um, and like you said, the the cast is really what, what carries the movie for me. And we didn't even mention uh, that Bradley Cooper cameos in this movie. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, it's Michelle's boyfriend. That you you only hear his voice through the phone, but I definitely I did not catch that. Yeah, oh, oh, Brad. Love how we get Bradley Cooper just to just for a phone call. But, I think it's funny that's like one of his most popular movies cited on a uh, letterbox. Like if you go to like his actor and it shows his first couple popular movies, that's on there, and I think that's very funny. It's funny because he's maybe what thirty seconds. Yeah, not even a whole minute in yeah. that movie. It's just his voice. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, but yeah, four out of five for me. Uh, like I said, I don't love the ending. I think a lot of the problems that y'all y'all have mentioned are the very valid. It's just that this time viewing it, looking at it more as a fulfillment of Michelle's art, uh, character art. It worked a little bit better for me. Uh, I de- like Matthew said, I definitely think that it would be better 
if it wasn't a Cloverfield movie. Um, even though I, I really enjoy the first installment as the of Cloverfield, and you know, a big reason I was looking forward to this movie is because it had the Cloverfield t- name in the title. But after watching it, I liked it much more as just a movie on its own rather than a addition to the Cloverfield universe. So, uh, yeah, that's basically all I have to say that I haven't already said. Uh, so it gets a four out of five for me. Uh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, get behind the movie for different reasons. M- more so, couldn't get behind the movie for the first half, mainly because of execution. Started to get into the movie near the end. Just really needed them to stick that landing to kind of make me like the movie, and I don't think they stuck the landing. And even if the ending can be, personally, even if the ending can be justified in a thematic way, I just think that is even more of a reason to just really go back and, and kind of flesh out the script a little bit better, kind of make the script more, uh, just more like focused and not like so, like, not prioritizing making this a, a Cloverfield movie. But, um, glad people like it because i think like a lot i think everyone in the movie like worked hard like i i hate to just like not be a fan but i can't force myself to like it but i'm glad that like people do enjoy the movie i just think that there's other movies that have played around with this kind of concept and i think they've done it better so i'm gonna give it a two out of five okay so definitely like i said definitely the most divisive movie we've covered so far but all valid points i definitely don't I definitely don't completely disagree with anything that was said. Um, I think it's just going to have to be left to there, and I'm excited to see what everyone else thinks about it. Um, so, yeah, that is where we will leave 10 Cloverfield Lane uh, for the time being. And uh, we're going to kind of change it up here this week. Uh, we're going to start kind of something new going forward with how we select movies. Um, you know, as you're aware, you know, so far we just kind of announced it at the end of the podcast. We've already discussed it in advance. but Going forward, uh, we're each going to take turns in just picking a movie and just kind of putting the other two uh, co-hosts on the spot uh, to watch a movie that maybe maybe they're not excited to watch, or maybe they are excited to watch it. We don't know. Uh, but I will go ahead and lead the charge uh, for the first week. And again, I think Jake may know the movie I'm going to suggest. Cruz definitely does not. Um, but the first movie I'm going to suggest and make us review for next week is sinister um the 2012 horror movie directed by scott derrickson um you might know scott derrickson if you are an mcu fan he directed um dr strange i was supposed to direct the second one but uh things happen but yeah uh sinister is going to be the movie that we're going to review next week um do you guys have any immediate thoughts on that uh have you seen this movie uh what are what's your uh feedback on that i'm cheating hard so glad i get to come back to this movie i haven't seen it in years yeah so also there's, a, there's I, an underlying reasons why i'm suggesting i'm excited go oh, sorry jake i didn't mean to i was just gonna say I've, I've seen it once and when it came out in theaters and uh I'm I'm definitely excited to revisit it because you know I'm not a huge fan of horror movies, but I do remember enjoying this one. Now I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited you know, I was a lot younger when I watched it, so I'm definitely interested to see how I view it now. 
whether it holds up or if there's certain things that uh, stand out more to me this time around. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested in this choice. It'll be the, we definitely haven't gotten anywhere close to a horror movie yet on this podcast. So it's definitely a change of tone. Well, I guess you could say Cloverfield. I wouldn't consider it a horror movie at all, but uh, I guess some it approaches could. it. It approaches it, I think. But Sinister is on a completely different level. I'm cheesing yeah. hard. I've seen this movie like three times. I mean, it's been years, but I watched this movie. I was this was like I was like a kid, like when I was like twelve. Like this was one of my favorite horror movies. I'm very interested. One, I'm excited just for nostalgic reasons. I haven't seen it since I was like thirteen, fourteen. But I'm very interested to see how it holds up now that I'm like adult. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons I selected it. Uh, you know, one is. Um, I'm not sure if anybody is familiar, but um, there's a YouTube uh, channel that I watch um, called Dead Meat. Shout out to James A. Janice. Um, he does a series called The Kill Count where he kind of just covers horror movies and like does a comprehensive kill count for them and really delves into movies uh, as a whole. And he actually just recently did this. Um, he did Sinister for his video series. So I was kind of inspired by that. But a point he made in that movie, and we will have to save it for the podcast next week, but um, it kind of relates to our discussion about The Shining. Um, you know, I think that the character tropes in that movie are definitely some things that I wish we would have gotten uh, in The Shining. So we'll have to save that, though. I don't want to I don't want to get into that right now because we would probably go on for another 30 or 40 minutes. But um, yeah, it was terrifying when I first saw it. I'm excited to watch it again. Um, and I think it kind of led the charge for like the early 2010s, like mid 2010s, like how how the horror genre kind of like moved in those times. I think Sinister was really one of kind of like the the first movies that led that change. I think it was really good. And I think it doesn't get talked about nearly enough, uh, especially for how good Ethan Hawke is in the movie. Um, but yeah, we'll save all the rest of the Sinister talk for next week. Do you guys have any closing thoughts uh, or any other things to say before we head out on this one? No, I think we've just about covered everything. Uh, just want to again encourage people to, to continue listening to the pod and subscribing. Uh, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter if you don't already. Uh, hopefully, we can start putting out some more content on our Twitter feed and uh, Facebook Facebook page. And uh, just want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next episode. I'm, I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like I have no right to be as excited as I am about. I'm so shocked. Like I was just not expecting to pick Sinister. I'm so excited for some reason. I cannot, I cannot wait until the next I'm, episode. Now I'm batting a thousand. I'm one for one. Who <laughs> the Tom, well, hold. On. Let me let. I can't. Let's watch it again. It's been a couple of years, but I'm excited. Matt, Matthew's got me super excited right now. Watch this movie. Thanks. Well, I'm excited as well, and uh, it'll be a great episode next for sure. Um, but with that, like Jake said, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, at uh, Shift Talking on Twitter, Shift Talk on Facebook. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, at um, Podbean for the third-party users out there. Give us, a, give us a good rating and subscribe, and we do appreciate all the support as always. Uh, but without further ado, I think that about does it, so we will see you next time.